The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So I'm delighted to be joined for the week trending by Lise Hand and Lorcan Nine, who is the Head of Training at the Communications Clinic. So I want to start with you, Lise, by talking about Michael Schumacher. And there actually probably is, are some listeners who may not know who Michael Schumacher is and why it is that an alleged interview with him was such an extraordinary revelation. Tell us a little bit of background to Michael Schumacher. Well, Michael Schumacher was probably one of the most successful uh, Formula One racing drivers of all time. He raced predominantly with Ferrari. That's where he kind of his glory years were. And at, really at the peak of his career, um, he um, was involved in a skiing accident um, in 2013. And OK, so so far, so we just say routine in terms of a story. But what happened to him then really was quite extraordinary because he was whisked out of public sight. His family wrapped layers of protection around him. Um, he was receiving medication at home. Anyone that was close to him was, if they were allowed into him, were sworn to secrecy about his condition. Was he improving? Was he not? And for such a high profile celebrity, nothing leaked about how he was in what, you know, what a state. He was believed to have suffered catastrophic injuries. Well, that's what's just come to, because I think, wasn't that one of the most extraordinary things for this man who had been in one of the most dangerous sports imaginable, had managed to escape unscathed throughout his lengthy career, in which he was arguably the greatest driver of all time. And then a relatively simple skiing accident left him effectively yeah. almost comatose. Well, that, that was it. And I think that was the shocking thing, because if something had happened to him, a similar injury had happened to him on the track, you know, you'd say it's it's part and parcel of the risks you take being a Formula One racing driver. Although the security, the safety protocols around the Formula One cars are extraordinary. Well, they've improved enormously in recent decades they, from where they had been. They absolutely have, and I think the the death of Ayrton Senna was a huge played a huge role in that um, during one of the races. But nobody really, I mean, for such a high profile figure, I mean, this guy was world stellar a lister, and really the fact that nobody still knows the extent of his. The extent of his injuries, his brain injuries, his mobility, just event, what his cognitive functions are, anything like that. And his family have been fiercely protective of his privacy. So that's why this, when this particular story broke, it was, it, the, I, the, the reaction of the family, I think, was predictable. Okay, so Larkin, what was the story? It was an, an interview, allegedly, with him. Front page of a German magazine interview, exclusive interview with Michael Schumacher. I went through the entire interview talking about the accident, talking about the coma, talking about the support of his wife and how hard it was on them, etc. And then towards the end, it says, by the way, this wasn't an actual interview. This was done using uh, artificial intelligence. So this is with an AI version of Michael Schumacher. So it's basically a publicity stunt by the magazine in incredibly bad taste. How cynical is that? Incredibly cynical and in incredibly bad taste. And actually, very, very poorly done. And so I think if you take it away from this specific story, there is whenever these stories pop up, there is a sense of, oh my God, what can AI do? They actually were able to replicate an interview with Michael Schumacher. But really, when you read it, they weren't. This was just a forgery, a forgery that could have been done without AI. And AI well, sorry, it could have been just done by any fiction writer. Anybody, any journalist could have just pretended. There wasn't anything insightful within this. It was, my wife found this very tough and they were supportive of me. When you look into it, it's by a, uh, an AI or apparently by an AI. AI called Character AI, which is the website for it. You go, you can talk to celebrities and ask them what they thought. So I did that, Matt. I asked Oprah Winfrey what she thought of Lee's hand. 
and she she said we as TV stars have to keep an eye on what's coming up behind us so she's worried about Lise uh, and I think that as a producer she is so talented and so detailed so as a producer so in other words AI is talking to Crocker extra- <laughs> I was going to say it's extraordinarily insightful so I, 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 I asked Super Mario about you Matt and he said he always watches the last word so again <laughs> it's not exactly cutting edge stuff but these stories get wrapped up as oh my god AI is going to you know and again I think it is a big issue for people's jobs there is a wider issue to it but for stuff like this this was just somebody making something up to sell magazines in incredibly poor taste but could have been done without AI but I think the interesting thing is that they really picked the wrong family to do this to because the family have come straight roaring out of the traps and saying we are just going to sue these these people this is unacceptable it's a breach of privacy it's all kinds of things and I think that probably laying down a marker like that so fast will possibly inhibit anybody else having oh, some similar Oh, I don't know. Details. One listener here says the sad thing about this is some people will believe the AI stuff. They'll actually believe that it's true, even though it'll be explained to them that it wasn't. That's absolutely true. And I think people, like say the three of us in the studio, would have a huge literacy when it comes to reading stories and reading and consuming news and media and you know, and stories like that. So we would be able to see that the quotes are incredibly anodyne or banal or very generalised. But if you're just a, sort of a day-to-day consumer, you're reading something on the bus, on your phone or whatever, and you're reading this, you wouldn't be, you know, maybe applying that, that sort of critical thinking to it. So you could completely accept that it's real. So I think that the fact that the legal hammers have been, have been uh, you know, are, are being wielded, I think is probably very good. Can Happy Bear try blame AI for their latest podcast difficulties, Lorcan? No, unfortunately, the Happy Bear can't blame AI. They could, they can only blame um, themselves once again for issues with their with their podcast, etc. So, look, the story here is that they had a guest uh, on their podcast. Uh, Sorry, and let's not assume everyone knows who the Happy Pair. The are. Happy Pair are. Uh, are they twins they are they're twi- twin brothers I hope they're twins because they're bloody identical uh, tw- twin brothers who who look have become very very well known have an absolutely huge following you know one million followers on Facebook and Instagram they're, they have a, a shop healthy food healthy living healthy lifestyle healthy 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 but they've got in controversy before because on their podcast they let people make statements that are just not true um, and then that causes significant controversy. This time it was a medic who was suggesting that antibiotics can be linked to periods of depression, which is of course what not true. What sort of medic was he? Uh, well, that's the, the see, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, Doctor Zach is a physician. Bush, yeah, he's a physician. He's a physician. Yeah. 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 So anyway, the they they brought out the usual uh, kind of apologies that usually happen within this, where there were they were st- it was never their intent to to make that link, and then they are very very sorry for anybody who was offended. So they're not even sorry for the intent; they're sorry that anybody was offended, and they said that more context should have been put on these claims. Now I'm not sure what context could have been put out them bar. That person is lying to you right there. There is no medical backup for what they are saying, if that's the context they're talking about. So look, they haven't exactly fully owned this. Um, I'm tempted, it's almost back to Lisa's previous point, to say, look, anybody who's getting their medical advice from a podcast, from the happy pair, from people who aren't, you know, maybe qualified to do it, well, that's their own fault. But it's not actually. No, You I know, mean, look, people will take it from... a pair of eejits, that's what they are. That's <laughs> and, and, you know, and also, I think that if you're going to... Um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get medical, you are not going to get medical advice from a website. But I mean, 
Have they learned nothing? Because well, I mean, they, what was they, the previous controversy yeah, they were involved in? Only a year ago, they landed in trouble because they had a, they, one of their podcast videos. They were talking about um, how to reduce uh, incidence of breast cancer by eating healthily. Eating and they, mushrooms. Yeah, eating mushrooms. Magic and they sort of, mushrooms. Yeah, and they sort of throw around these spurious. Yeah, they, they throw around these sort of statistics that you know the incidence of breast cancer in the UK uh, are far higher than say in Asia, and this is all down to diet and. You know, they had this thing, you have to, you know, eat healthily and, and look after your weight. Now, they, like they got hammered for that, right? I mean, of course they did. They got criticised for that because, you know, really respected um, physicians came out and said, look, you cannot, you know, they're obviously being having a healthy lifestyle is good and it's against diseases. But there's lots of reasons why people contract cancer. So they got hammered then, they came out, they sort of said, OK, back to, you know, Lorcan. Uh, and then a year, you know, what Lorcan was saying about the sort of apology and put in context. But I mean, antibiotics, I mean, that's far, I mean, that's really serious because linking antibiotics to depression is, I mean, if you, if somebody's, you know, taking a course of antibiotics and goes, right, I better, uh, you know, not take these because I don't want to end up depressed. I mean, it's, that's really serious. I mean, that they should go off and take one of their supplements to boost their brain, you know, power, some kind of green powder that you put in a shake or something. I don't know. Don't worry, Dullies. They've said they will endeavour to ensure that this does not happen again. Oh, well, that so, fills me full of reassurance. So, so it's all absolutely sorted. <laughs> this came, came to light as well because they put it up in one of their reels. So in a social media reel, I presume I put it on, on Instagram, given it was a reel. And so people saw it then and then were able to latch onto it and go through. It does make me wonder that what are they not putting up on, on the reel? You <laughs> yeah. know, if, they, if they're putting up this element of stuff that does get them in trouble what's actually in the deeper dives of the podcast and what kind of information well, are they giving out if you're having guests on google them for start i mean and just see what their area of expertise is and if they do, you know if they're they have you know complete credibility in the statements they make both of these stories though i think do show that you know between social media podcasting etc and then ai as it, as it, as as it increases and become becomes kind of more 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 known and more embedded in in, in our culture it does really supercharge the need to kind of teach uh, misinformation teach media literacy teach us all in schools I mean there's a really 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 strong case to be made that it should be embedded into the curriculum of how to think critically as you talked about earlier on Lise how to an- analyse stories how to look past stories how to look past sources history does an element of it but not through that lens they've done it in Finland I think yet you have to do it here they have um, done it in Finland you're absolutely right and Finland as a result of embedding the teaching of misinformation disinformation school curriculum have one of the highest literate readers of consumers of news and uh, people who are less likely to fall for fake news. So there is a direct correlation with getting children around the age where they start thinking critically, which is about 11, 12, 13, and teaching them how to think critically. And I think this absolutely should be part of every school curriculum to to provide children with the tools to be able to d- well, differentiate. Well, in fairness, I will say for news brands, which is the all national newspapers of Ireland, they do a very good press pass campaign every year for transition year, which maybe not enough schools are involved in, but those that do it bring some brilliant work forward every year uh, from the various students who get an understanding and who actually learn how to produce news themselves. Not just sort of like fulminating via social media, but actually putting it together in a way that's accurately interviewed and sourced and whatever. Well, wouldn't it be great to see that expanded out and, and, and actually embedded into part of the school curriculum? Because, you know, it is a use, it's, it's actually a life skill, to be okay. honest with you. We need to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about a shortage of ban on teas and how that's going to impact on the Gwiltuct experience. And also ask... Would an Irish politician ever be forced to resign for bullying? That and much more with Lise Hand and Lorcan 9 after we've had this break. 
It's Lorcan Nine and Lise Hand with us for the week trending. Lise, tell us about the shortage of Bannon teas, which I believe Tichi Cahar reported upon during the week. Yes, um, I'm. This this is a this could cause um, a few headaches for uh, parents planning their children's. Um, Getting them out of the house for a few weeks over summer. Nice to it, you're right. (laughs) Packing them off to the west for a few weeks to get manners put on them, essentially. So apparently, the uh, number of host families uh, in the Gaeltacht region has declined by thirty percent over the last five years, which is quite a decline. Um, And they're now finding it difficult to to actually find places for these. For the kids to What's that put out? Is that COVID-related thing that when there was an interruption, then various host families decided not to return to the business after COVID? That's yeah, that's that plays a big part in it, and also I think it's it's sort of cost of living that the the, the returns aren't as great as well, and people. Jesus, not cheap for the parents of the children sending well, their kids there either. True enough, but you'd wonder perhaps, especially with the rise of Airbnb, and a lot of a lot of these. Uh, you know, a lot of these Gaeltacht are situated in beautiful areas which have heavy tourism as well. We all know the, the, you know, the, the, the pressure put on the, you know, on the tourism structure in terms of accommodation and so on. So they may find it more beneficial just to, ter- to turn into, Air- into B&Bs or Airbnbs. Lorcan, have you been a Gaeltacht student yourself? I have been a Gaeltacht student. I went to Irish college slash the Gaeltacht, I think six times. Uh, my Irish is significantly worse than Paul Meskell's. I cannot speak a word of Irish. So the Gaeltacht slash Irish college Paul does not Mescal work. Paul Meskell, I speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it does not work. All right? It does not work in terms of increasing your Irish. I, I think some of the issue, um, issues that happen with it is it's COVID. It's a habit. Families did it for 50 or 60 years. They broke the habit then they didn't go back to it because they realised, oh God, that's actually a lot of effort to bring them in. Also, the model has Change slightly, so it's not maybe as bad or or as worrying. So, as why did it not work for you? Why did it not work for me? Yeah. Because I I don't know. I probably didn't take it seriously <laughs> enough. You have to speak a bit Irish. There's three classes oh, in the hold morning. Hold on a second. In a properly run Gaeltacht, it's complete immersion. Well, maybe I went to to to, to the poor Irish colleges, Matt. No, it is no, complete not immersion. The one side it's com- the, it's the holiday camp with games thrown in. Was it? It is complete immersion <laughs> when the teachers and the canneries are around, Matt. And when they're not around, you go back to speaking as you would as a fourteen or fifteen year old. But look, I I'm 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 huge huge supporter of Irish colleagues of the Gaeltacht. I think they're a great thing. Many of the formative experiences of my youth were Such the Cayley and at the disco. We don't need to go into it, Matt. Uh-huh. We're, li- we're live on radio. The formative absolutely. The the, the <laughs> The, the chance to not be in an all boys school and to go and to mix and to have time uh, for yourself and it's good for your independence I think it's good for the connections that you make it is not good for learning Irish I guarantee you nobody has become a Gaelgore fully because of Irish college but I do think there's something uniquely Irish about the fact that in America they just get to go to summer camp as you alluded to and they only get to play games and they only get to have fun in Ireland we say you can do that but four hours of Irish classes in the morning you have to learn verbs first and then you can have a bit of fun so oh, I think yeah. there's a bit it's of suffering price to pay for a bit of suffering freedom. involved <laughs> dare I ask what were your Irish formative experiences at the Gaeltacht? I I don't like I dodged that particular bullet and I'm not too sure how I did now um, but I do know, I, I do remember a couple of my uh, my classmates being sent home in shame from one particular, um, oh, you get sent home. There was one, for, I think it was Ross Peel or somewhere. For, for speaking? For speaking, English. for speaking off Berlin. Not yeah, anything yeah. else more serious than no, that. No, no. That and that's a, not a euphemism that, for anything else. No, that else, isn't. No. They were just red carded <laughs> for were too, too much Berla. But my younger sister, Jenny, she did go down um, when she was very young and, you know, young teenager. <clears throat> and I just remember... We all went in to pick her up at, at the station when they came back. And when she had left, she had the most, she still has the most brilliant head of hair, like gold, thick gold and curls, like down below her shoulder. She got off the train 
And she had just decided she wanted to be a mod, I think it was. And she just literally cut her all her hair off. And then I think she'd also sewed up the legs of her pyjamas as well to kind of look, make into a mod shape, you know. And uh, so she took it very seriously. And that was blamed on the Gwail Could that not have just happened anywhere? No, well, no, I think it was probably she fell under, you know, what Spell, I would say, really good influence. Though I think my parents were <laughs> disagreed. And it did, it, it did her no harm at all. It was a lax ban and tea is what I would say was, go, was going on there. <laughs> They're supposed no to be the, the, the parents away, away from home. They're supposed to be keeping an eye on those kind of things. So maybe, maybe... The the demise of the vanity will save some some people's this nice is, long this is very hair for this teenagers. is very true well, she she learned how to cut her hair so I suppose she did learn something can you imagine uh, moving on um an irish minister resigning for bullying somebody in Orkham? I hope that I can, if that's a, an accurate answer, in that I would think that if I, if those levels of allegations, if you're bullying somebody to the point of view that they're vomiting before they go into a meeting, which was one of the allegations against Dominic Rabb, um, but by the civil servants and the staff, I would like to think if that came to light that... You know, ministers would be uh, forced to resign after due process, after the report came out, and particularly if they put their hand up and said beforehand, if this finds against me, I will resign, and then they will resign. So I, w- I would like to think that that would follow over to, to, to an Irish context. So, Lisanne, what type of bully was the Deputy Prime Minister, Dominic Rabb? Well, I mean, the, you know, the allegations were uh, quite serious, um, and I think that the, the, I think the thing that struck me most was... Sometimes when you get bullying stories, it's sort of a very senior member against a very junior member of staff. But these were senior civil servants and even they felt they had to band, band together to make, you know, to, to go forward and make claims of bullying. Why? Was he a bit of a Malcolm Tucker as a minister and sort of effing and blinding people was, out of it? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. and um, Sorry, that's a reference to the thick of it, the TV <laughs> to the, series to the from it. about 10 or 15 years ago at this stage. Yeah, and it? I mean, he, he said that he belittled staff and, you know, bullied them. And, and I mean, that's... I mean, that's a really toxic kind of workplace and it's absolutely, it's an abu- it's an absolute ab- abuse of his position as well. And um, and this, the, this wasn't just sort of a one-off or maybe you could just said, oh, look, he was under strain at that particular point in time. This was sort of, this was stretched out over, you know, se- like a longer okay, period. But given that these allegations have been in the public eye for quite a long time, why did Rishi Sunak, when he became British Prime Minister, say he was going to clean up British politics and immediately make this guy his Deputy Prime Minister. And look, that's what um, Keir Starmer has put to him of saying this again shows the weakness and that you appoint him in the first place and then you didn't even sack him, you left him to resign. But if you analyse it from, from Sunak's point of view, yes, that's his statement, but he had a balancing act and has a balancing act to do as leader in that he has to keep the Johnson Brexit here side on, like in line, but then also his instincts are a little bit more towards the more traditional conservative... He, so he's trying to balance those two sides of, of the party, which is why he appointed so many of, of that, that Brexit Johnson side. So this actually is probably good news um, for, for Rishi Sunak because he can't be blamed for not appointing him. He can't be blamed actually for sacking him by the hard. And he's even said, Rabbi said, I'm going to continue to support you. But he's now been able to put in two of his people. He's been able to put in one of his biggest supporters as deputy prime minister. And he's been able oh, to put in um, 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 another, um, the defence minister is now, is now taken over and he was, you know, supportive of, of Remain, etc. So he, he doesn't get blamed for getting rid of this fellow who's quite linked to Johnson and linked to that vibe in the Conservative Party. So he keeps them on side, but then gets to have his own team now behind him with one of his biggest supporters 
standing by his mm. right hand side so I think it will work well for him and look he's in a really weak position but this might be slightly good news yeah, for him Yeah I mean I think the worst thing a, an incoming Prime Minister or you know or Taoiseach or whatever can do um, is say I'm going to clean house and I'm going to sweep all corruption out because inevitably there will be an outbreak of all kinds of things I mean it wasn't that long ago that I mean you had someone like say um, Nadim Zahari again landed in uh, you know ended up resi- resigning as he ended up but, resigning his position as chair of the Conservative Party um, because, because of his tax affairs because there was tax you know irregularities so it just seems to be one of those things where um, it's you either have to go in and actually genuinely take this really seriously or else you, you're all, your credibility is completely lost. Let's move on. Tell me about Alec Baldwin's latest legal position in the United States. Of course, Alec Baldwin had been facing charges in relation to a fatal shooting on the set of a movie called Rust. Yeah, um, I. it's funny because the story made such a, you know, it, it was huge when it happened. Um, you well, know, it was this huge was, when the shooting happened. The it shooting was also happened. huge when Baldwin got charged. Exactly. And it looked then, then it died down and everyone was sort of, I assumed that it was just going through the, you know, running through the legal mills and eventually there would be a day in court. And um, then it turns out that the case against him has been dropped. Any uh, explanation? Against uh, Alec Baldwin has been dropped. Has there been an explanation as to no, why? No, there really hasn't. You see, this is the thing, there, there really hasn't. And it, there's all kinds of political sort of shenanigans going on around and accusations and counter-accusations uh, that um, Bolden's lawyers at one stage, they were arguing that the involvement of one of the the, you know, the, the, litig- the prosecutor in the case was unconstitutional because she held p- political position um, down in the New Mexico how, House of how Representatives. Would that, how would that be relevant? Yeah, well you see this is it. I mean, it, I, mean I was a bit taken aback by this because I, I didn't see it coming and I think a lot of people didn't see this coming. But don't just talk that the movie will be completed. Yeah, that they're going yeah. to continue on with it which does to me seem like whatever about the taste of it which seemed very, very in bad, bad taste it doesn't seem like commercially I presume they're taking... Oh, do you not think that there's going to be loads of people who want to see will, the movie presu- because this is the movie on which somebody was actually killed when they were making it? I presume that's what they're going for. I presume they'll never say that I presume that's what they're hoping will happen you, you, you'd hope there might be a bit of a backlash to that decision you'd hope that you know people might make statements to say this is not in good taste people should not be watching any of the, the, the footage uh, before or after um, and so you'd hope there'd be a backlash but it's not in brilliant taste it wouldn't be a brilliant sign of those involved the high profile people involved in it if they were, were, were willing to, to carry on whatever just, about just the remind people itself. this was a prop gun that was fired by Baldwin which ended up killing uh, the woman Hanya Hutchins who was in a cinematographer and injuring the director Joel Souza. Yeah. yeah. I so. mean the whole you know even the, the 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 timeline around how it all unfolded you know it was always again there was you know it it, it wasn't completely clear like why the gun went off how the gun went off you know what exactly happened so I, I you know I assumed a lot of that would come out in some kind of legal proceedings that I assumed were going ahead so um and you know I mean if I was an actor and I was I, you know, something, you know, I've been involved in something so traumatic. I mean, the last place I'd want to be ba- is back on that set either. I mean, it's, but I presume, you know, it, in the worst possible taste, the show must go on and there's probably all kinds of mi- millions involved and insurance claims to be paid out if they pull the plug on it and all that. There's probably that all that sort of going on in the background as well. But 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, and look, and we don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. Even Baldwin's lawyers have now said, could there be a proper investigation into the incident? You know, implying that there wasn't before the charge, and there was a hearing two weeks ago, and if, since that hearing okay. is is when this come out. So look, there's probably more to run in that story. Yeah. But let's right. hope there's not a film. Okay, Fiona says that guy on the radio is totally wrong. I had no interest in Irish until I went to Caution of Ian Irish College in Ross Muck three summers in a row. It was an amazing experience where I learned heaps of Irish, <laughs> says Fiona. But she didn't send that text in in Irish, did she? So there <laughs> well, we go. Had, so perhaps I she's been not. able to read it out, unfortunately. <laughs> Look, my wild blanket assertion may not have been correct, okay, but I'm sticking by it. Lorca 9, Lise Hand, thank you. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.